0: Story one this inspire team Delta Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad podcast where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad podcast. Welcome to episode 24. We are officially in the dog days and heydays of summer. It's the first week of June and the summer and the sun is shining here in Wisconsin and it's been super wet leading up to this uh, spring. It's been a very wet spring up here in the Midwest. So I'm definitely looking forward to enjoying some drier days out here. Recently, we just spent the last weekend planting a garden and it was absolutely amazing experience with the kids. They absolutely loved just digging and boys loved digging and everybody just, it was a family event where we went out and picked flower or uh, plants and put them in the ground. And I like teaching my kids where food comes from, even though we have a very small garden, it doesn't do a lot, but it teaches them a lot about how it works, where seeds come from, how you raise food, and then ultimately how you can help just provide food for your family even later in life. And I'd like to remind uh, every dad out there that there's only 18 summers with our kids before they leave. That's 18 events, 18 times you have the opportunity to do amazing, epic things with your kids before they leave. 18 is a number that everybody can visualize, they can feel it, and everybody would agree it's a very small number. And we only have 18 of them out of the context of thousands of days with them before they leave to go on to college, but only 18 summers. And that's generally, if you think about it, most people only go on one vacation per year that, if they're lucky, and that's only 18 vacations where you have a chance to make memories. And I challenge you this summer, make sure you're you're bringing adventure, make sure you're bringing new things, make sure you're expanding your boundaries, their boundaries, and just doing more epic things and creating more experiences than you are things because it's the experiences and memories that are going to take you through life and them through life that they're going to remember. It's not going to be the toys from the birthday. It's not going to be the toys at the pool. It's going to be the memories you make at the pool of them jumping, them jumping off the diving board. All of those are the memories that people are, the kids are going to remember. And as we remind dads in every podcast, kids spell love T-I-M-E. And those are the things that they're wanting in the summer, not the other things. So remember, 18 summers is all we get with our kids. It's the first week of June. You still have a big chance to make an epic impact. Make sure that you make this one worthy of what is burning inside your heart to live the life with your kids. I'd also like to remind you that I'm on Instagram, so you can go ahead and follow my life and also Military Veteran Dad. My life is on at... Ben underscore Kalloy, K-I-L-L-O-Y. And the Military Veteran Dad handle is just that, at Military Veteran Dad. Don't forget, we also have a Facebook group now where you can join and become a conversation after the podcast. And I'm a big believer that men aren't supposed to do life alone. And when something's too heavy, it's your men to share the load. The Facebook group is a great way where we can share things in private, to share what we carry almost too much of what in our life, and being able to get perspectives from other people that may have walked that same road or what I also find in Facebook groups when you're vulnerable is that you help shine a light in a path that someone else can't see is there. You can help someone say and put words to what they're feeling that they just can't put there. I can't tell how many times I posted it in Facebook groups and then people respond and say, I feel like you just read my mind that they were saying the same things. It's just, I went first and said it first. So check out the Facebook group. It's in the, go ahead and follow the link in the show notes. It'll get you right there. If you haven't left your iTunes review yet, I would really appreciate it. I read every one of those reviews and they mean the world to me, understanding the world that, or the impact that this podcast makes on the world. It makes it that much more rewarding and just proof positive that this message is more and more needed out in the world. Also, a reminder that at the bottom of the show notes, there's a link to go ahead and ask me a question. In a future episode, we'll bring your question to the podcast and go ahead and answer it in whatever way the question is formed. And without further ado, I love today's guest, Kyle Nyseth. He's a man that I met at first time at the Military Influencer Influencer Conference last year in September. And he was recently brought back on my radar by a fellow uh, friend on LinkedIn. And that was like, I got to have him on the podcast. And his story doesn't disappoint. We actually get uh, his wife came on with him as well. And she brings also some uh, great stories and insights on the mill spouse aspect of what it's like do life in the military together, what that likes for the family dynamics, what it's like to hold it together, and then ultimately how to transition out together as well, because they've created what they call navypaddles.com. It's a business for sensual memorabilia and just different gifts that you can create for military members and first responders. And they both do it together up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Eau Claire, probably is how you say it. Uh, People in Eau Claire would be very upset with my pronunciation, being a fellow Wisconsinite. Without further ado, let's jump in today's show with Kyle Nyseth. Today on the show, I have a combat veteran of three wars with 22 years of service into the United States Navy, a proud Mustang LDO with submarine, surface ship, and naval special warfare leadership experience. Upon retiring from the U.S. Navy in 2012, Kyle Nyseth followed his entrepreneurial dream by starting NavyPaddles.com. The paddle has become an iconic of teamwork that stretches across all branches of the military, fire, and police. This business provides unique, customized, handmade wooden products to the military, fire, and police to serve as a way of honoring their achievements and remembering milestones. It is truly a craft of honor that allows NYSA to stay connected connected to the military community that was his family for so long and to continue to serve others that are sacrificing so much. Today, Navy Paddles is the largest customized paddle company in North America. They create beautiful, high-quality items such as a variety of paddle designs, shadow boxes, knife blacks, and wrapped hatchets, baseball bats, wooden hockey sticks, and more. They also sell coins, 550 paracoid, SOG knives, and K-Bar knives. They work closely with nearly 100 foundations and nonprofit organizations that also give back to the military community. Thank you, Kyle, for joining the show. And Melinda, thank you for coming on as well. Thank you, Ben.
1: Thanks. Great to be here.
0: Go ahead and describe what your guys' family looks like right now and uh, what's the family look like behind NavyPaddles.com. So, our
2: personal family, we have five kids, a uh, 26-year-old who's studying to be a doctor, a 21-year-old who's just recently uh, gotten out of high school and, and working uh, here in the community. And then we have a 9-year-old, a
0: 7-year-old, and a 3-year-old. You really got the, the span there. Uh, you you, you kind of scare me because I'm, I'm at three kids. And I'm thinking about four, but really on the fence of whether I want to increase the chaos of the, the harmony that we have right now, minor seven, four, and three. Any advice for me when when make the leap from three to four because I feel like three is the norm for America and four is like the edge of crazy and five is like you're just completely outside the norm and you're doing your own thing by then. So,
2: So in my opinion, four and five are no different than three because they start to take care of themselves.
0: That's the same opinion that I have. I don't know whether it was right or not, though, because I haven't validated it. I often tell people with new parents, I'm like, one kid's crazy because you have no systems to deal with a child. You create systems and processes. And then when you have two, they all break because they were only ever designed for one. And then when you get to three, if they're pretty timed out and ours are about two years, there is enough space where they kind of start to... Pay attention to each other. They start to kind of mutually play with each other, and by the third one, you really they just start kind of taking care of themselves a little bit. They still need you to to be there and uh, be parents, but there's uh, some mutual cooperation where they can go off and play, and you don't have to constantly be there to make sure they're staying alive.
1: The vehicle situation is the biggest hurdle.
0: I we have a GMC Acadia right now, and my wife loves that. She hates minivans, so we're kind of on the preface of. She lets go over GMC Acadia Love and we go minivan or we stay to three kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a minivan person either, but I'm forced into it.
0: You were forced so I feel into her, it. I feel her pain. Did you plan for a fourth one or did life give you uh, what it was giving you?
1: Oh, fifth one.
0: Fifth one. No, we, we planned for them all. Plan for okay. In
2: fact, I was the one that fought for the last one.
1: Exactly.
0: I would have five kids as well, but I feel like I'm going to get lucky with four because my wife is okay with three. and. Um, I feel like I'm just going to have to meet in the middle at four.
1: He begged me for like three years to have another one. And finally I <laughs> said, okay, one more and that's it.
0: Maybe you can confirm this theory as well. This will be some good R and D on my side. Cause I've often had this romantic idea that the the larger family have a stronger family unit and they often will stay stronger brothers and sisters as they get older. Is that true or false?
2: I, I think that's going to be different uh, in each family. I don't know that it is either true or false.
1: Temperaments of your kids matter a lot. Yes. You never know what you're going to get.
0: <laughs> Ain't that the truth. I can see that. I guess I think I just see uh, you just see some families where like later in life, they're just the good brothers and sisters always looking out for each other. But I do just I agree that it's a, a matter of how the kids come out and what personality and whether they take advice or whether they're just their own. My, my youngest is just a spitfire and um. All spit and all fire. Like there's, just, she's very little, she's very few times where she calmed down. So I'm interested to see her dynamic into the family as she gets older. <laughs> so you guys have had, uh, you guys had family when you were in the military, correct? Yes. Go ahead and describe what it meant to to either of you for what it was like for, uh, for you to come home. Let's start with you, Kyle. What did it mean for, to come home for you? So there's
2: different ways of thinking about coming home, coming home, um, meaning getting out of the military or coming home uh, from a deployment. Uh, coming home from a deployment, obviously that was that was always a great excitement and uh, uh, fun for the whole family because now we're all back together. Um, coming home,
1: there's adjustment time though.
2: Yes, there. Yeah, definitely some adjustment time. Uh, coming home to getting out of the Navy um, now, seven years later at first we did it and we thought it was all great now looking back at it um the the opportunities and the experiences we had with our military family the people you worked with and that that you did weekend fun with you know barbecues and and the boating. Kid, boating and the kids christmas parties and and the easter egg hunts and all the stuff that's focused around the family and the military now you're out in the civilian world and we didn't have any of that we're on a 160 acre farm and we're renovating this 1930s farm as well as doing navy paddles so
1: we didn't see very many uh, new new faces.
2: Correct. Yeah. <laughs> to no. make
1: friends right away, it was really a difficult transition for us.
2: Right, and then the lack of military here in the in the Midwest. Um, there's really no one knows what uh, career military is here, and and not being able to reach out to all of those opportunities on a base uh, like the swimming pools and the and the babysitting MWRs. and MWR, mm-hmm. um, all those opportunities. You're in Alaska here it seems yeah. like <laughs>
1: <laughs> we had to rebuild our community from the ground up because we didn't know anybody and like he said where we moved to his ancestral home you can call it his his family was raised in this area there's there's just not a lot of opportunity to meet a lot of people because we work from our own property so and we were renovating so
0: since and if then you don't we don't have all that going on there's like just by nature, Americans aren't, we're losing our communal sense and that you don't go next door to borrow a cup of sugar anymore. Right. I've gone and out and borrowed a cup of sugar. And recently I saw a meme on Facebook that reminded we don't do that anymore. And I was like, why not? Why, why, why not? It's, it, it's, it's stupid that it's somehow it's gone away yeah. and that I would rather get in the car and drive to the grocery store and get a thing of sugar when literally you'd probably have to, maybe one out of a hundred neighbors wouldn't give you a cup of sugar. Right. Well, in
2: this valley where we live, that's uh, there again. We have just the opposite of that, because most of the uh, people in the valley are still relatives. So I just got a text message today um, from Dennis Nav Albright said, uh, "Hey, come get some eggs. The the chickens are overproducing."
1: <laughs> he, he has distant cousins all up and down this valley that we live in, but it's a farmland community, so we say they're our neighbors. But you know, they could be a mile away. It's not like we can just walk over there go for a little stroll on the road with our kids and and play with the neighbors we don't have that you have to plan a play date you know the kids yeah. say when are we going to have a play date so i can have a friend over because you have to plan it you can't just say go out and play with the friends on the block
0: i like and i grew up on a farm as well and it was the same way and uh, it wasn't until third grade and a neighbor boy moved in next door that i really didn't have any friends and i was i didn't have a brother and uh it was always just so lonely trying to. If it wasn't for my grandma at the end of the driveway, I would probably have lost my mind and drove my mom and dad nuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Since then, our kids are a little older, and the younger ones, and they're involved in sporting activities and things with school. So we've been able to get a little bit more of a hometown feel and, and grow some roots in the area. But um, but we are very busy with our business, and that doesn't leave a lot of time for socializing and making friends. You know, when you're an adult and you move to a new place. You don't go to school every day to make mm-hmm. friends. You're you're not little kids where everybody wants to make a friend. Now everybody that you meet are grownups and they are just as busy as you are. And so building a friendship from scratch as an adult when you move to a new area is a lot more difficult than for kids.
0: I agree, and for me, uh, I never had a lot of friends, so I was always just had this paralysis of being able to talk to people. And I often wish like the best taps class for me would have been going on a field trip somewhere and being forced to have random conversations with some objective that the teacher set out for us to accomplish and just getting extremely comfortable with talking to strangers because that's, I'm sure as you learned, like you, you can't move anything forward unless you're willing to talk to people and it takes a skill and you got to make time for it and just talking to people, you can clear so much clutter out of your life from your head and everything, but you got to talk to people is a the trick there.
2: Yeah, and, and in today's age with social media and cell phones, you almost feel guilty to interrupt someone that's clicking on their cell phone to actually have a physical conversation with them because they're off doing something else. And when you have typically the mother and the father both working in the, in the household, now your, your family gets stretched in two different directions. So when you do meet in the middle and you all come back together, it's like, whew, what do we do now? You yeah. know, so it's, it's a lot different today than when I was growing up or when we were all growing up. Um, our, 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 our society is much different.
0: Much different. And I don't think it's bad, but it definitely cr- takes a conscious effort of a changing parenting mentality to usher our kids into a world that we can barely keep up with ourselves and that is moving at a faster pace every day than anything we ever had to deal with. Absolutely. If we could go back to when you were coming home, uh, there's a topic on the podcast we talked about where like you see those coming home videos and there's like that pre-tension between that you can see on their face and the moment that the, the blindfolds are usually lifted or they make eye contact with their dad or mom, that that tension is gone and their hearts are, are uh, they lift that weight that they've been carrying on their heart. And that kind of creates like a honeymoon phase for like that you're glad to be home, but then you're trying to transition past that honeymoon phase. And you can kind of get stuck sometimes when you're trying to fit back into life, when, um, especially for you, Melinda, where there's when, you're, when he's gone, you had to create systems and processes to, to deal with life without him. And then he has to come back in and try to reintegrate into those processes. And no matter how much the honeymoon or the honeymoon phase and how great it was, it still eventually weighs out. And then it, I think uh, many dads have told stories of creating conflict in that moment. Any advice for that moment?
1: Well, he, every time he'd go on a pl- deployment, he would, he would warn me and remind me that when I come home, I'm going to be a jerk. Just, just remember that.
2: <laughs> well, you get turned on, you know, you get turned, you get clicked on, it's now deployment mode, you're on an 18-hour day on a submarine or whatever schedule you get on on a surface ship or on a Naval Special Warfare deployment, you're on 24-7, you don't get turned off. It's not like you get a break. You don't Mm -hmm. get to sit down and relax and and have a weekend off. So I think that's a lot of times what guys forget about when they come back is they got to turn off deployment mode. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And relax a little bit.
2: Relax a little bit and know that Melinda or your spouse is taking care of everything and you haven't been there. So don't critique what she's doing because she had it and she did it and she did a great job. She might not have done it the way you wanted it done, but she held everything together all by herself, kids and everything, house, family, and you weren't there. Now you got to take a step back a little bit and say, okay, I need to fit in back into here. Don't just expect that it's me driving the bus here again. I got to fit back in myself, as well as your other spouse has to understand he or she needs to give up a little bit
0: so you can come back together as a
2: team.
0: A team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I often have been, people have summed it up where uh, you need to meet your spouse where she's at, not try to bring her where you're at, and yes, it's kind of. Um, I word it like you need to approach it with a, with the curiosity of what life was like while you were gone, and just validate um, understand and listen and not ask why not ask try to change but really just try to figure out what you missed out on very good very well set i think that the way you talked about there coming back to as a team that that sharing of each other's with life that creates a new level of intimacy that allows kind of those sparks to re-come back together and you can move through life again the bad part is it's only a time bomb and then it eventually comes back and you get deployed again and you got to go through the cycle but i think <laughs> understanding how the patterns and which way to perceive but almost every dad that's come down that's coming home has given the advice that you've really got to just meet them where they are and especially at the kids level because they dealt with things that you can't even imagine even though you dealt with things that they can't imagine for being a 12 year old and dealing with the life things that they have to deal with of the idea of losing dad that maybe they don't really understand what that means until it happens but the idea that they had to weigh that on their heart like there's lots mm-hmm. of qu- good questions to ask of and just connect with them at that moment.
2: I, I think also naval social warfare um, has, re- and I think it's reaching out to the, all the militaries, but specifically with naval special warfare, they've come up with these couples retreats after deployments, mm-hmm. and and they it's a, just a, a fun weekend for reconnecting a couple to reconnect and and figure out that there's things that happened and it's an opportunity for the couple to just talk about it and and rekindle that connection. So then when they go back to the kids, if they have kids, they can then focus on the kids and they're not focusing so much on themselves and the the things that, that uh, you know, happened with their day to day life. So I think that's a great opportunity that a lot of service members don't realize is out there um, that they need to tap into.
0: Yeah. I was recently just watching a video on LinkedIn today. And uh, the guy was like, we spend three months preparing for transition, but we spend 10 months decompressing or 10 days decompressing and eventually just a bunch of checkboxes that don't actually do anything to reconnect you back into, especially as a reservist. I often, uh, I don't think I've had any reservists on yet, but I think they got it the worst because they have like this, they have an ecosystem of different worlds that somehow have to <laughs> live together and they're so different, but at the same time, they have to figure out how to get it together. Mm-hmm. When those uh, moments for reconnecting with your kids, is there anything, any advice that you'd share on what worked for you well to reconnect back into their lives?
1: I would say you can't rush it. Mm -hmm. Depending on the age of your kids and the length of the deployment, you have to rebuild sometimes with with the kids. That trust, you know, you've been gone, wow, now you're back. And if they're really little, um, they may not... They may not remember a lot about you, which is very sad to say. You Mm -hmm. have to rebuild sometimes.
0: And I'm sure that can be hard being a dad because then you're dealing with the guilt of leaving and the guilt of your kids not knowing who you are. And that can create a lot of uh, bad thoughts, I can imagine, in your head of guilt.
2: Now being seven years past all that, though, um, our nine-year-old, although he knows really nothing of the military, um, he looks at what I did because now he's learning about it in school.
1: in pictures. And yeah, pictures,
2: pictures. And I think the pride for him of knowing that this yeah. is what my dad did. My daddy was a soldier. Yeah, makes him very proud, especially at Veterans Day and at, uh, uh, at these other different uh, celebrations. So I think that's, i, I, I glad, 'm glad I gave him that to pass on um, is the pride of giving back to your country, and so he feels very um,
1: he feels special
2: yes patriotic,
0: yes, and he well, feels the connection to you even in a way that he doesn 't understand, but he knows it 's there correct
1: when we go to different events and they 'll ask you know all the veterans in the room to stand and they clap for the veterans. He sees his dad gets to stand up and everyone claps. And some of his friends saw that and they're like, oh, your dad was in was a soldier, you know. So then he yeah, he was. So he gets really proud about that.
0: I can imagine that uh, enhances almost the the superhero complex that yeah, the dad exactly. with their dads <laughs> of just being able to conquer the world and uh it's hard to imagine like when you've when you've got that kind of relationship, how that will impact their life in uh your legacy is how they remember you long past when they call you well they'll always call you dad but long past after they're out in their life doing their own thing of how he remembers that and how it shapes his life it's those little moments kind of get me goosebumps in my arms because they are the moments where the magical happen 20 30 years later down the road but you really have no idea what you're doing you're just hoping you're all making the right deposits and the right bank accounts to to build great adults sure and one thing that i did on deployments for my
2: older ones is Back in the 80s, they had these crazy things called Beanie Babies. Or they still 90s. have
0: Beanie Babies. They haven't okay. <laughs> have the universe yet. The,
2: they, they started out in the 90s, I guess, and with McDonald's, and you had these Beanie Babies. Well, there was this one patriotic blue bear that had a, a red, white, and blue tie on it, and I named him Mr. Gambini. And so Mr. Gambini would deploy with me, and so I would write letters – in the perspective of what Mr. Gambini was doing. So they could, they could kind of get a a, 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 glimpse. W- a glimpse and a connection of the different things that I was doing at a kid level um, story almost. I got to ride
1: right on a tank today.
2: Yeah, type thing. You know, not, not dive into the deep stuff that I was really doing, but I could have fun with it and send them letters. And I think they really enjoyed that.
0: And, and what you're doing there is kind of like entering their imagination to what they can understand, but somehow conceptualizing it to something that they know something's different, but at the same time, it makes sense to them. Sure. What are some of the simplest things you've done with your kids over the years that they remember years later that you can't believe? At every podcast, we talk about how kids spell love T-I-M-E, and it's the simplest things that they'll remember years past that you didn't actually think was a memory they were going to remember. What are some of your favorite ones over five kids?
1: Oh
2: gosh! <laughs> um, Choice awards. Yeah, I—I I, that was probably the for my oldest ones. I—I I took her to the Teen Choice Awards. I think I was the only guy in the whole auditorium at Universal Studios out out in San Diego, no, Los Angeles, or Los Angeles, and uh, you know you had uh,
1: screaming teenagers everywhere.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then we uh, had Gwen Stefani uh, with her band with Bananas doing her 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 march in between the the aisles. So it was a fun event. Uh, I think she'll always remember that. Um, she she thought I was pretty cool,
0: Dad, to to take her to something like that. It's like going to a Taylor Swift Taylor Swift concert. Yeah, or exactly. Something crazy where you got a bunch of crazy teenagers around you and. <laughs> you're just having like this out of body experience. Like what did I just do?
2: Where am I? Or, or I think another one now that I've had a couple minutes to think would be, we went to, again, universal, yeah, universal studios. And they had, uh, back in the day, uh, a show called fear factor. I remember that. And, and so you could audition for fear factor there at universal studios. And so she wanted me to audition. And so I did. And, and,
1: Crazy, crazy eat, eat gross things. Yeah, and crazy, crazy things. Crazy
0: enough, I got on there. <laughs> so, you got through the audition, or you got on the show?
2: I got on the. They had a local show that they did that was different than the one the, the, that they put on. Uh, got uh, it. On TV, it was just a local one, but it was filmed every single day at Universal Studios, and you could audition to get on. And I was on.
0: Nice, and you probably. Uh, didn't think of it this time but teaching your daughter to do things to scare the hell out of you was a a good life lesson (laughs) that uh that i think 2019 many kids get caught up in the failure to launch because they're fearful of taking action because it's a very safe world we live in and you don't got to take action to have food on the table every night and Mm -hmm. um teaching them to do those little things but they're they're simple but teaching him to do things that scared them or-
1: she's definitely a person of action
0: yeah we uh, for my
2: retirement in 2012 um, I was part of the I helped out with the Navy leapfrogs and so uh, day before my retirement her and I uh, went up with the Navy leapfrogs and jumped out of a, an airplane at uh, 26,000 feet so that was a fun experience to have with her as well hmm
0: when you think about when people think of the Nyseth legacy, what do you want people to think about? What do you want your people to say about your kids and who you were as a man and how you showed up in your life? I would say
2: passion for excitement uh, and doing the always doing the right thing, no matter the cost. No matter the cost, exactly. Uh, at Navy Paddles, we strive. You know, there's deadlines to all of these uh, uh, ceremonies we know what it means when they get that paddle or that gift, that special something at that ceremony. And if that something isn't there, it kind of ruins the whole meaning of it. Mm -hmm. So the sacrifice of making sure it's, it's there on time, on target all the time and done to exquisite detail. Mm -hmm. Um, If it, you know, maybe if
1: it means staying up very late or getting in, you know, during the weekend. Mm-hmm. So land, have to
2: navy, yeah navy paddles has really kept us going here in the midwest and and,
1: and it's kept a connection that we have to the military because yes. like you said we're so physically removed from so many military um bases from foundations from just everything military it's almost non-existent here where we are and mm-hmm. we miss that so this this keeps us in touch with the the men and women that are currently serving and with foundations that are actively helping um, our service members that are in great need and their families need things. And we can somehow stay connected and do our part to help the greater cause. So it's been, it's been good. We love what we do.
0: I like what you said there. And I'm often at work, often repeating, the right thing is always worth doing if it's, if it's the right thing to do. And Absolutely. it may not always be easy. It may be a pain in the butt, but if it's the right thing to do, then it's worth doing. um let's go let's maybe go into a little bit how what was the moment like when you first created navy paddles where were you at in your life
2: (laughs) so i i had just received a paddle um from special boat team 12 and then was one of the commissioning officers at riverine squadron three out at yorktown virginia um we took blue water sailors and turned them into war fighters that took over the marine, uh, the marine mission on the Euphrates, Euphrates River for, for force protection from the Syrian border all the way down to Baghdad. Um, so we worked, we were stationed with the Marines. We were a Navy unit that had all Blue Water sailors in general working as a command or a unit. Um, so in that, we worked with a lot of different people, and they said, hey, what are we going to give? Because typically, there's give and take uh, when you're working with different uh, coalition forces. So I, I said, hey, why not a paddle? We're a riverine unit. You know, it's, it's a symbol of teamwork. Um, and so they said, yeah, that sounds great. Go get one. Go get one. <laughs> we had a hard time trying to find our first paddles. And There's
1: nowhere where you can buy a paddle, have them put really cool 550 cord wrap, install some coins, some warfare devices, and a brass plate. You couldn't, there was nobody that did that.
2: So I sent, I sent a cutout from a paper grocery sack to my dad, and I said, Dad, can you make 10 paddles? And so he did, and he sent me the paddles, and I figured out how to wrap them, and went to a local engraving shop and, and got the engraving done. And those were the first 10 paddles that we did. Uh, 2007. 2007, and it wasn't navy paddles at that time. It was just doing paddles.
0: It was someone uh, that needed a paddle, and you you yeah. just moved heaven and earth to make it happen.
2: Exactly, it okay. was it, the need was there, and 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 so I just filled it. You know, many times they just called me the fixer because there was a problem, and I was usually the one that could get it done. So, fast forward, I, I transferred, transferred, and and then went back to special boat team twelve. And people kept asking, "Hey, uh, where can I where can I find some of these paddles?" The the gentleman at Special Boat Team Twelve that was doing it, he had transferred, and well, I can get some paddles and I can wrap a few paddles, and so I I did that. And, and your dad again? Yep.
1: <laughs> Need some more.
2: And then uh, there was a foundation, the Seal Family Foundation, that would put on the Christmas party for Naval Special Warfare. And they saw us doing paddles and they, they said, wow, those are really cool.
1: They'd they, be great centerpieces on our next banquet when we're raising money for the foundation.
2: And, and so. Can we get
1: 50 of them?
2: Yeah, so that's <laughs> what we did. And so it kind of started out with the foundations with that then. And then, you know, you're, you're PTing on Coronado and, and you got these paddles that, that the seals were using doing the surf passages but they would get busted because they'd get flipped over in their Zodiacs. And so these busted paddles would float up on the beach and I'd pick them up and I'd put them back together and, 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 you know, decorate them. them. So here's an authentic paddle, Navy SEAL paddle that, was then given to the again the the seal family foundation donated and and they would have people pay as much as five thousand mm-hmm. dollars for this piece of history uh because of the the meaning behind it and yeah. and so it I wasn't making any any money out of this I was just donating everything that that I did so then in two thousand and twelve when I got out of the military came back here. Um, 2012, the economy was horrible here in the Midwest. Um, had a hard time finding a job. And so we were,
1: kept calling, though. Yep.
2: Yeah, I was doing a few paddles, you know, paddle here, paddle there, and I was renovating this farm property, mainly the house at that time. And so I was having a hard time finding a job. So I said, I'm just going to build the house. I'll be my own contractor and, and see how things go. And so I stopped at everything. We built this house and still doing paddles. And I said, I need a break. So it's springtime and I enjoy shed hunting. So I went out, out west to pick up sheds. And I said, Melinda, can you please just check my voicemail? Because there's a lot of places in, in those areas where you don't have cell service. Just answer the you know the calls and the emails. And when I get back, I'll, I'll take care of it. Well a week and a half later I came back and and I had thirty paddles to wrap and from that point forward, it was Melinda and I full time in Navy paddles and
1: we st- we made a simple website and we haven't had a day off since
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine it it's uh it's lots of times I feel like opportunities like yours um where the universe is knocking and it's uh I think Oftentimes because we were so busy in life, we won't actually slow down to, to answer it and we'll let it go to voicemail. But it's exciting that you actually picked it up and decided to start taking that opportunity that the pressure kept building and building. And the universe is like, hey, I'm keep telling you we got we got something here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. started going all in. Is there a I bet there's a hundred memories that you have? What's the significant memory of one that impacted you that you made a paddle for that you want to share with us?
2: Well, it was, it, it was obviously, very, it wasn't a, a paddle. It was actually a, um, box? a skateboard. Oh. Um, they call them skateboards on the carriers. It's a, it's a picture of a carrier deck. So when o- Osama bin Laden was captured and, and laid to rest, um, we did a skateboard for Geraldo. Geraldo Rivera and and I know he he had spent a lot of time and that was a big part of history Um,
1: tracking him down as a reporter
2: right and 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 all of that as a nation that was a big big time for for our country Um, I think the some of the best paddles that I do are for maybe some of the younger guys because they they put so much energy into it and they're so passionate at what goes on them that, you know, the younger guys that get them, I don't think they realize the meaning behind them quite yet. Um, And then when I do paddles for the seals um, or, or MARSOC, uh, any of the Marine special forces, they have a different tie to the paddle than what, a lot of the other military or fire or police use the paddles for. So there's a hidden message between a lot of the the paddles that we do for the seals and marsoc and th- and they do an amazing job. You know, they there's a meaning for every piece of of um warfare device to the poem on the back, to the color of the wrap, mm-hmm. where it's laid out, how it's laid out. So there's a lot of meaning put into into those paddles. And and so I mean we could go on every paddle we do has a lot of special meaning Mm -hmm. and
1: and the ones for fallen soldiers those are the hardest
2: yeah those yeah hardest are the ones that you have to create for the families of fallen soldiers I can imagine a
0: kid of a a lost or dead like uh like I wouldn't be able to hold it together every time I gave one of those battles to a, a kid that doesn't get to hug their dad every night like uh this podcast and the whole mission. Every time I hear those kind of stories, they, they tear me up. So any, anytime you had a story where some kid that doesn't get to hug their dad and you're building a memory so they can hold on to what they were before that, uh, that would eat me alive every day.
1: And on some of them, one of them was for, she was just a young girl in the army and we made one for her parents.
2: Yeah. It's the parents too. that. Or we had an EOD officer here locally in Eau Claire went to Memorial high school. Um, was killed in Afghanistan and they they wanted a memorial at the at his local high school. At here. the local high school so we made that paddle for you know in memory of his service and then having to make a second paddle that we presented to his family. Yeah. And and you know his family didn't realize or even understand the history behind the paddle. Uh, all of his teammates were there and understood that history and so it made it even that much more special.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine uh that you start to realize that uh, what you're doing is, is, is hard work, but at the same time, it's, it's work that uh, you're giving pieces of, of a legacy to someone that you once it's out of your hands, you have no idea where, how it's going to impact someone. But each paddle is going to tell a story far beyond the moment you created it. And that in exactly. itself will be a legacy that there are, I don't know how many paddles you've put out into the universe, but each one of those will be some type of story that allows um, someone to keep talking. There's a one of the there's a Disney movie Coco, and it wasn't until I, I rewatched it recently with my kids that uh, I realized part of when we lose a service member is a little bit like the movie Coco and and how the uh, Mexico celebrates the Day of the Dead. That as long as someone keeps talking about you, you'll never be forgotten. And
1: right. still, a panel is still that way
0: on. to facilitate that.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So, even a lot of our paddles, uh,
2: you know, we've got kids that uh, their dad passes away and now there's a couple, three kids. And so, there's only one paddle. And so, now they want more paddles made because all the kids want the same memory. And how do you divide that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Or like my own own father, he was in Vietnam. I grew up with, you know, those Vietnam guys until here recently they did not want to talk much about their military service when they came back, they did not have the same, same, uh, you know, treatment when they came back as, as what many of us did. And so it, my dad always had this box in in the
1: cigar box, yeah.
2: In mm-hmm. the closet up on the shelf with all of his stuff in it, you know, his patches, his, his ribbons, his dog tags, his medals, medals and, and different trinkets that he had. And so I, I had mom get that out of there one day, and and
1: we snuck it out. Yeah, <laughs> put it all on a paddle
2: for Father's Day. Yeah, and he was blown away, you know, because at that point he knew that his career, his legacy of his military service, was going to continue on at mm-hmm. that point. Where if that if that box would have stayed in the closet. It would have just stayed in the closet, and then when he passed away, sure, it might have ended up in another somebody, closet somewhere. Somebody else's closet, yeah. but no mm-hmm. one's going to remember what. Yeah. What did Grandpa do?
0: Yeah, the, the story stops telling. Like people don't start talking about it. Is it's almost like a coffee table book, but this one hangs Correct. on the wall. Yeah, that, uh, it starts exactly. conversations, and you, we've talked a little bit about legacy, and I've really come to realize in the podcast uh, many veterans in active duty we get so hung up trying to figure out what our legacy meant and what our service meant. And what I like kind of about the the paddle idea is it offers a little bit of finality to your legacy that you kind of sum up your legacy as your service and the paddle. And once we transition out, it's over There's nothing really else we can impact the world with our, with our service. It's something we can continue to talk about and what it means to us. But I think a lot of where we struggle to come home is switching to the legacy of our family is the next one. So, and oftentimes like having this, the paddle transition to recognize, okay, this is my service. It's not over. And then working on your next paddle, which is in many ways, your family and your kids. And there's a quote that I often repeat in the podcast from Billy Graham that he's talked to stadiums of 60,000 people and he would have had a greater impact in this world if he spent that time with his kids. And I think that's often where we failed to switch from one mode to the other as dads that, um, we can ha- we can take everything we learned in the military and transition it into civilian life and be the leaders in the family, create teams in our family, teamwork within the paddle of with our family, that our kids are are the next legacy that we need to work on crafting. And I like how the the way your the paddle symbolizes as uh, on the wall it allows you something to reflect upon in a positive way. Generally, it doesn't allow you to keep maybe thinking the same horrible thoughts of why I died and someone else lived in. Since yesterday was Memorial Day, I, I was reflecting that uh, I've often took the challenge that um, I didn't go to combat, but I still have the same mindset that other there's kids out there that don't get to hug their dads. And with what I do with the podcast and what I do as a dad in my own life is to create a legacy of my family that is worthy of that sacrifice of those dads never coming home. And they died so that I can hug my kids every night. And I need to make sure that I'm always present and there. Make sure that that sacrifice doesn't go in vain. Absolutely. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, what's the future look like for Navy Paddles and yourself. So,
2: we continue to grow every year, um, we are expanding a bit. Um, trying out different uh, opportunities, but it's just getting the word out there. Obviously, we're Navy paddles, and a lot of times people in the Army or the Air Force or the Coast Guard, not so much the Coast Guard, but we've started to win them over. They think it's Navy paddles, that's not for me. Um, it's, it's just a bad marketing ploy on
1: my it's a,
0: part. It's a bad brand name in the beginning. Yeah. But.
1: We should have called it something different, but we were Navy all the way, so, you know, <laughs> a Navy paddle. <battle. laughs> but we do make paddles for all the branches of service. Yes. And firefighters and police officers and Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Pentagon.
2: White House. The Surgeon General's Office. DEA. Yeah. So it's just getting our name out there, I think, is the bigger idea behind this and and letting people know that there is a legacy their history in the military is a big part of why we're here in america Mm -hmm. and that if there weren't the men and women that sacrificed to do what they do we wouldn't have the freedoms that we have here today and so that in itself needs to be memorialized in some in some form or fashion for their family and so that's why we call it our craft of honor yes Um, we want them to be able to we're not here because of us we as you heard we're here because there was a need and there's all these memories that need to be uh proudly displayed exactly
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so everyone's unique and everyone's worth remembering yes absolutely you remind me of how i often cry on the fourth of july for the similar reason that it's it's all just kind of surreal on the fourth of July when I'm just watching which is for America like as kumbaya as as a holiday of any day where kids are laughing kids are screaming Mm -hmm. everybody's just a a euphoria of happiness and I often will cry just because of the feeling of like people around me have really no idea the what it's taking and what people are sacrificing right now for this reality to be there exactly I get goosebumps every time when the parade goes by and the flag goes by because it's It's a surreal moment that happens every year for me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: When you see the the paddles and everything coming together, how do you try to instill that into your kids? Is teaching them the lessons that you've learned from Navy paddles, as far as help shepherding them into their own life and figuring out who they are as adults. So obviously, uh, Logan and Aubrey and and Grayson are three younger, our three
2: youngest. They have. They have, they are navy paddles. They, yes, they they're are. they're the mascots that uh, that run around our feet as we're wrapping paddles and and Getting
1: the shipping supplies get peanuts all over the floor. You know.
2: <laughs> so so they've grown up in it, and so
1: they like to wrap their own paddles too.
2: They try, mm-hmm. they try, but we were very proud of our oldest, nine year old, nine year old Logan. We were at a at a baseball game, and and for whatever reason, he couldn't play. And here, oh,
1: he, had, he had an injured toe or something. He couldn't play at his baseball game.
2: And so um, everything here in the Midwest, for the most part, is done in cash. And we didn't have any cash at the moment in mm-hmm. our pockets, and he wanted some concession stands. Well, Drinking some candy, you know. We just didn't have any. So then Logan saw uh, we do a button for the local high school um, just – you know, it
1: has the, the kid, yeah, he had logo. This has the school's logo on it, and it connects with the magnet behind your, your shirt so you don't have to poke holes through your clothes. And we had several of them made up, um, ready to go because we sell them sometimes at different events, you know, the school football team and games and that kind of thing.
2: So he thought of those out of his own idea. He grabbed mom's button and goes, Hey, mom, where are those buttons? Can I sell them? to get money so we can get some concession
1: stands.
0: <laughs> <Three>. So so <laughs> he proud that moment right there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So he went around and I sold told him how much to sell for the big ones and the little ones and he went to all the people on the bleachers and he came back with a wad of cash. <laughs> <laughs> so then he says, "We need to make some more of these so I can sell them again in my other games." So we we did. So we had him take some of the money he got from selling those buttons and we made more. And we charged him what it cost to make them. And we wrote down what profit he had from that. And now he has so many more to make. And he gets to keep all the profit because he's already paid for the materials on these newer buttons. So he's learning entrepreneurship a lot.
0: Talk about right. a moment you have no idea where it's going to lead, but it can't lead to a negative place. Like teaching right. him to understand where wealth comes from and that it can yes. come from nothing.
1: From you doing something.
0: Yes. Bring value to the world and people will return it with money. Yes. So then he was watching and where he
2: saw this, it was on some kid YouTube thing, um, the survival bracelets, Mm -hmm. how to make a survival bracelet.
1: With 550 cord, which we just happen to have thousands of rolls of 550 (laughs) cord of every color.
2: So he comes out and goes, hey, dad, can you show me how to make a a survival bracelet, 550 cord bracelet? I said, yeah, why? I'm going to make them and sell them to all the kids at school. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so he started taking orders oh chloe wants um a packers colored one and zoe wants red white and blue he was bring he'd come home with different orders of different colors of bracelets that he had to make
2: now most of them he was just giving them away but every now and again he'll come up with a legitimate order
1: yeah
2: um we had uh, rocky mountain elk foundation uh at one of their banquets they wanted uh, these 550 bracelets to give out to the kids mm-hmm. and so i told logan i said are you in business? Are you going to do these these five fifty cord? So he helped make the five fifty cord bracelets that uh, went to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation banquet. Yeah.
0: I like that. I should. My daughter is seven, but she's extremely crafty, and she's already making a whole bunch of like uh, jewelry and stuff. And uh, she she she'll do it was the silliest stuff she makes. Like she made these little paper arm casts out of construction paper, and apparently everyone wanted it at school, so she came that home that night and she pumped out like six of them. And they were just these paper things that went around their arms and she had them in her backpack and she was making sure she counted them all because everybody wanted one that uh, I'm probably missing out on an opportunity there for her to, <laughs> to figure out where money comes from. I got her thinking about the job. She understands that you do jobs and people will pay you for jobs, but being able to take an individual idea and to capitalize it like that, I believe is the, a good gift to give kids, especially in 2019 because of the way the default society teaches that life works when, especially as you're an entrepreneur, you realize there's an entirely different path that people don't talk about that can be more fulfilling, can have more freedom, can be less about materialism, but more about memories and um, spending time with your family and Mm -hmm. all that that goes with it.
2: And I think the military person is set up to be that entrepreneur just by the lifestyle that they lead within the military because there isn't the option to quit.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: so we're we're bred or, or we're taught different instincts that leads you down the path very easily of being an entrepreneur because you have to do for your family and you have to do your job and so taking uh, an idea and turning it into money that gives you more opportunity uh, you is, have
1: the work ethic already to go with
2: exactly
1: it, to succeed
2: so I, I think TAP classes, I, from what I'm seeing now, when I got out, they, they were only pushing jobs, kind of like high schools. You get, a, you get a good high school education, you get a college education, and then you get a job. No one teaches you. You, you go to the military, and then, hey, think about starting your own business. No one, no one pushes people or service members down that road so much. I'm hearing differently now, and so I'm, I'm glad to see that.
0: That's good. And I often hear like statistics within franchisee owners that uh, like 30% of franchisees that are open these days are military veterans because there's a system that you just copy and you can become successful. And we already know right. how to take a system and, and just repeat it. And that's what we're mm-hmm. good at.
1: Exactly.
2: And, and I think it's, well, it was hard for me to take my experience and translate that into terminology that spoke to People here local businesses so I could get a job in 2012. Um, they just saw my military experience. They didn't see all my project management experience mm-hmm. they,
0: organizing they action
2: exactly. they couldn't see it's just military uh, experience which really translated into project management experience, mm-hmm. which you know is really probably where I should have sought to, to do, but you know, hindsight's always 2020.
0: So, as we wrap up here today, I've absolutely loved this conversation. I'll give you both a question, both from the same perspective. Kyle, what advice would you like to leave for military veteran dads with? You could wrap up all your experience into one piece of advice. What would it be?
2: I would say enjoy your time in the military and create the memories with your family that you're doing along with your military experience, because those are going to be translated into a legacy down the line when your kids get older that you can't replicate once you get in the civilian world. So, enjoy your time while you're in the military because it's a big deal.
0: I love that and I've reflected on that where I didn't slow down always to smell the roses and you have a certain set of ecosystems in the military that allow you to do more adventure even to translate your daytime adventure into weekend adventure with your families and we don't often take so much time to invest in that because we get caught up in the patterns. Melinda, what advice would you leave for military veteran dads?
1: For veteran dads?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd say don't be so hard on yourself. Transitioning that. <laughs> is, is a very scary thing. You know, you're, you're, you're used to doing one thing and being told how to do it, and you know the systems of how to do it. You feel successful doing it. You've been moving up the ladder and being um, – promoted because of your hard work and then now you're a veteran now you have to find another path to to go in and something that's going to give you that sense of teamwork and um, self-assuredness and feel like you're doing something of value and I think you don't you don't need to put so much pressure on yourself to figure it all out right away because it is, it is a bit of a journey when you're transitioning to figure out what do I do now? How do I do it now? There's a whole new set of rules. I wasn't familiar with before. Um, it will come, but you have to be open to being flexible and not discouraging yourself. If something doesn't work out, try something different. You know, we have a great, a great land we live in with so many opportunities. You're not stuck, you know, you're not born in a certain class and that's just where you're going to be until you die you can, you can re, remake yourself as many times over as you want. So if something's not going the way you want it to be after you transition, try something different. What can you lose? But don't be so hard on yourself. You're going to do it. If you have hard work and you're willing to put in time and effort, you're going to be successful.
0: I like that. And so much of what transitioning is for dads is just being vulnerable and talking about what's going on inside of our head. Mm-hmm and we we are often the military programs us that that will get you killed but at the same time once you come home that's what's going to make you fulfilled right and make you present and and physically mentally present as well you were going to say something Kyle there well i was saying
2: all of these military bases somehow are located by so many great historical sites um and theme parks and Amazing uh, natural feats of beauty like um, the Mount St. Helens up in in Washington, or down in San Diego, you've got all of the parks, and then you got Disney up in LA, you got SeaWorld. If you're out in Virginia, you've got uh, Bush Bush Gardens, Gardens. you got uh, Williamsburg, Yorktown, you've got all of this great stuff, and your job is to go around to all of these different locations because you just happen to be stationed there. Don't forget about where you are and take advantage of the Balboa Park in San Diego. Take advantage of all the great opportunities that the military affords you
0: while you're in. And uh, that's good advice, isn't it? Men seek adventure. And when we don't have that, we often feel empty. And I think that's when we transition, we lose that sense of adventure because we are living it every day. And the secret that no one really tells you is that you can make it with your kids and you'll feel three times more fulfilled than you did in the military. And they'll, the kids will remember it far beyond anything you've ever thought about. Mm-hmm. Yes. As we wrap up here, is, is the navypaddles.com the best place to get in touch with you, or are there any other socials you'd like to share with us?
2: We're always at, at Navypaddles.com or check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. We're on all the places. If you want to see new and upcoming stuff, definitely check out uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, usually at least weekly posts, but sometimes daily posts of the cool items that uh, come through as, as, they, as they are produced. Because once they're produced... They're sent out, and so we don't have an opportunity to really capture that sometimes. So we use Instagram and Facebook to do that.
0: Do you? You probably get shares back of when you see someone hold the paddle as well on like Instagram, where you get a picture and it's yes. Uh, we always ask the them if you're circle. presenting
1: it. We ask for pictures when you present that. Can we get some pictures? We want to see, you know, the other end. We work so hard to make it pretty for them. Now we want to see it being presented, so we can get that that final um, appreciation of it being given.
0: It's almost probably like each one is like a little bit of a child that you take it from the raw yeah. point of wood, and some of them are. You give it, you so give it time character. It. You give it. You give it lessons. You give it uh, wisdom. Yes. You give it fatigue, and then you yes. got to let it go into the world, and then you got to start all over again.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> like currently this weekend, uh, I've
2: got a five five foot paddle, and one of the wraps in the center uh, took me four hours just to do a twelve inch section. Mm-hmm. So the amount of time I got put into just one paddle so far. So just one paddle, I'll have at least seven hours of time uh, creating a very beautiful, unique item uh, that, that wasn't my idea, it was the customer's idea. I, I just am the one that puts it together.
0: You just get to be the storyteller.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I've absolutely loved this conversation, Melinda and Kyle, and I really appreciate you both coming on the podcast. And I am positive we brought a few dads home with this story and hopefully we've inspired someone to, to tell a story and uh, share someone's legacy by buying a, a Navy paddle. And I remember when I first saw you on stage at MIC last year, it was like, wow, what a great idea. And that uh, was before I even had the podcast idea. And uh, as I try to weave into my brand, I'm always thinking about different ways and uh, of how to add different aspects of my brand into different things. So. It really hit me when I first saw that on stage. Cool. Thank you, Ben. Yes. Are you going to military influencer concert this year? Absolutely. We'll
1: be there in DC.
0: Oh, I'll be there as well. So we can say hi to it in, it'd be in nice, person.
1: It'd be nice to shake your hand.
0: I'd be like, I knew that guy from last year. Now I can get it, <laughs> shake his hand. Or if you come up here to Eau Claire, we'll take you to lunch. <laughs> I don't get up. I, I, I maybe like once, I don't know. I've been up to Minneapolis like twice in the last past 10 years, but you will be on my radar. That's one of the hardest parts about the military is you have so many friends in random places. Yes. And uh, you have to try to always remember, which when you travel to a city, is like, do I know anybody in this city?
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, thank you guys for coming on the podcast and enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Ben. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it, and you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.